Been a bit slack with my Sam's this week. Uh, had a lot on, a lot of deal making this week. Um, developments, buy and hold real estate, dumbbell investing. Um, yeah, a lot going on, a lot going on. A lot of good things, a lot of good things, which uh, I think is uh, awesome, isn't it? Um, doing a lot of coaching at the moment, a lot of uh, conversations around sort of personal leadership and, yeah, just, you know, obviously designing our lives through this thing called property investment. Welcome uh, to the show today, getting in sneaky uh, lesson on real estate this afternoon. Um, certainly later today, make sure you tune in for Andy and Jason, uh, no doubt doing uh, their show, Wine and Wisdom. If you haven't caught the latest episode of the Urban Property Investor. Jump on to that. Uh, did come out on Wednesday. A little bit to do with the idea of, yeah, what the future of, of real estate actually looks like here in Australia. And uh, certainly, uh, I've got some some absolute beliefs. Ben's thrown out there. Beer Friday. Absolutely. I can't wait, to be honest with you. Um, so I will actually, I think, talk about a little bit about my podcast that I threw out this week and some of the context around that and uh, might just flip over to, to uh, hopefully you can, you can see me. There I am. All right. So um might use the old iPad to draw. So um, Australian real estate, if you like, for a very long time in urban areas um, has had relative strength because of wages. And um, it's fair to say if we look at the sort of timeline of transformation of real estate here in Australia, um, wages really flew up in value from around sort of 2003 to 2013, we had two mining booms. And what mining booms actually did to Australia was inflate what people were truly worth. And uh, it left a great legacy, though, of a high-income society. Australia today is a very, very high-income society. The fact that uh, you know, you know, people on average, I think the average wage at the moment's around uh, $90,000. That's not the average income. That's the average wage or salary in Australia. When you take into consideration pensioners, the, the, the numbers um, drop a bit further. But what happened was uh, people who had nothing to do with uh, mining all of a sudden because of the, the labour shortage uh, back then were getting paid more. And so uh, the labour shortage inside the mining sector was dragging people out of other industries. And then, you know, all of a sudden people were leaving real estate or hospitality or uh, offices to to be part of the mining boom, which was unfolding. And ultimately that left Australia with, with uh, a wage increase. Into the future, though, uh, if you were to do divide the, the 
uh, workforce up. Um, skill is definitely going to to be something which is undersupplied into the future. And the big problem inside of a, of Australia should uh, immigration, you know, once again start flowing is we're in this kind of place where there is no real room for wage growth for a lot of people in Australia. And the reason being is we, we really had a boom of wages back uh, back in this era. Since then, uh, the cost of money has gone down. Wages have uh, money going down, wages going sideways, and real estate, for the most part, going up. And uh, that's kind of where we find ourselves today in this in this uh, strange place. Money is worthless in the bank. Wages aren't going up, but real estate is inflating. And so when I look around the world, there's kind of three uh, good examples of what that looks like for the future of real estate. And the first example is Japan. Japan is an economy where back in 1986, basically it overinflated um, and it's been living off basically 1% interest rate for 30, 30 some years. Hence why a lot of people sort of reference Japan being the third largest economy in the world as a bit of a zombie economy. Uh, The only way to keep um, Japan rolling is stimulus, more money being pumped into the system. And so what that does for Japan is it kind of creates two worlds. Um, On one side, you've got people with assets doing really, really well. And then you've kind of got this sort of zombie marketplace where, um, you know, it's almost like deflationary led. And uh, it's quite interesting going there. You can go to Japan and you know, go to the countryside of Japan and there's maybe half a million vacant homes um, in Japan. And then you go into the more prestigious parts of Tokyo, Yokohama, um, and real estate is, you know, huge. It's like so expensive. So we can learn a lot um, from the fact that we're probably going to go into a very interesting 1% place where, um, interest rates aren't going to rise, which is great. Um, but half of our economy will certainly end up very zombie-esque where um, a lot of people aren't going to make a lot of money. And there's really what's so fascinating about coronavirus is everyone's sort of moving properties and some people are, are going, you know, almost like to more expensive parts of the cities. Some people are moving to cheaper parts. We're seeing this kind of migration, if you like, of the middle class um, either going up um, following the assets or almost going sideways or down following the money. Um, in America, in the USA, uh, real estate's quite an interesting beast, if you like. You've got, um, you've got basically two-tiered market. You've got, uh, you know, housing which you know is the million dollar marketplace 
And that marketplace is all about growth. And you've then got this kind of second tier marketplace where properties are, you know, $50,000, $100,000. They get a good rent, maybe $200 per week. Uh, but, they, but they're not designed for growth. There is no growth on them. And a lot of property investment in America, if you like, is designed about buying like hundreds of these properties at a time and living on sort of the income that they produce. And in real estate, we call that positive cash flow. And, uh, you know, the reason I sort of flagging this is here in Australia, uh, we're now almost de designed to end up with money like Japan and real estate like the USA. What that will ultimately um, lead to is both positive cash flow real estate and capital growth real estate. Um, but investors need to be very cognizant of the difference because a lot of investors are right now, unbeknownst to them, buying positive cash flow real estate, which they think they're buying for capital growth purposes. And the big challenge for those people is because they're not going to be buying 10 at once or 100 at once, the cash flow is kind of irrelevant. It's kind of like um, after your uh, income, uh, you know, after, after you, you know, all is said and done, paying expenses, you know, might make you $2,000 a year. It's not exactly going to change your life but uh, potentially won't get capital growth. So then we've got a marketplace which is all about capital growth, but capital growth is on its way to becoming niche around where the incomes are because um, obviously people on higher incomes can spend more on real estate. So it's quite fascinating to see us go into this place where uh, the money part is going to be Japanese. The real estate part is going to become USA-esque. And uh, what that has traditionally been in the past is traditionally in Australian real estate, you went regional for positive cash flow and you went city or urban for capital growth. Um, and... Now you're really almost seeing a divide in, in both marketplaces and the divide is no longer um, city or regional. It is more the divide of inequality uh, and uh, aspiration. And obviously uh, what I try and do is I look at uh, a supply gap, which is known as the affordable uh, yet livable supply gap. So suburbs, which are basically in this middle bit, and there's properties in those suburbs in this middle bit, and really they can go two ways. They can end up in the inequality zone of society or they can end up in the aspiration pocket of society. And so uh, because of what is going to unfold, which is this, that you're either going to end up with positive cash flow properties or capital growth properties 
from basically the concept of the middle class being split in two. It means assets are going to be split in two. So obviously, uh, buying the growth first, I actually think that what that'll end up meaning is these positive cash flow properties not going to get huge amounts of growth and rich people, basically people who built millions from real estate, um, done the Forex growth plan, done five, six, seven properties, built an asset base, um, are going to be able to do what happens in America. You might does anyone know, like, watch, uh, for example, Grant Cardone, um, you know, the American guru dude? Um, uh, I don't know if anyone watches him, but um, what Grant Cardone basically does is he forms a syndicate and he basically goes out and buys a thousand, uh, you know, hundred thousand dollar properties at once for everyone who's in the syndicate and they share the cash flow. So it's kind of interesting seeing Australia morph um, into two marketplaces which already exist in the world. Um, Certainly positive cash flow has existed in Australia before. It certainly has existed in mining towns and regional marketplaces. But what's quite interesting now, you can go to an urban landmass, you can go to Brisbane and Canberra, and, uh, you know, sort of 30% of, for example, Brisbane's property market is never going to grow, never going to happen. It's not going to happen. It'll throw out cash flow, but you're going to need, you know, 20 of these cash flow deals to make income. And so um, uh, obviously you can go to 70% of Brisbane now and you can get growth. And so you know, for the most part, people want that growth so they can buy the cash flow later. Uh, The challenge for a property investor, of course, is to to really understand what they're doing because uh, where this goes wrong for people is they they buy this thinking they're going to get this. Uh, And that is where real estate often breaks down for people. They asset allocation, they don't understand the asset, the difference with with what is going on in the urban landscape. So, uh, yeah, an interesting, interesting dynamic. If you want to hear more about it, just uh, jump on to the Urban Property Investor Podcast. Um, I'll give you a full explanation. That one came out this week. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Alison, I think uh, your podcast is coming out with um, Tab, isn't it? Apparently, you're from Hunters Hill. You're from my hood. Who knew? Can't believe it. Maybe dated as kids or something. I don't know. I'm quite interested in your world of understanding you're from Hunters Hill. Um, so that blew my mind when I heard that. Is that right? Want to throw in the chat for me? No? Yes? All right. Maybe you've gone. All right. Well, thanks very much for everyone's time. Uh, tune in to, to hear more this evening from, from Jason. Ah, yes, you're from Hunters Hill. Just wish my parents kept the place. I know, I know. How how stunning is that neighborhood? What a great place to grow up. Wow, that's so, that's, I'm going to now, I'm going to stalk you and yeah, I'm going to find out, yeah, if we have friends that we all know each other and stuff. Wow, that's so amazing. That blew my mind when Marcus told me that. Um, He was listening to the podcast to, um, you know, uh, 
do the do the images and he's like sam you'll never you'll never uh you'll never guess allison newman is from hunters hill and i'm like what that's crazy um you're still there oh my god you're in the peninsula well we got to catch up i think um we got to take this one offline everyone thinks we're wackos hey have a good weekend everyone nice talking to you all